you're listening to an episode of the Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life podcast with your host, Kim Olver. This is Kim, and welcome to the 98th episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. If you like today's episode, be sure to leave me a review wherever you listen to your podcasts and share with your friends on social media. Just don't forget to tag me at Olver International. Today, I have with us a woman I met through her company, InfoBip, when they were having a mental health program for their employees, and I was asked to be one of the speakers. And I got to spend time with Tina Lee Odinsky-Zess, and I was very impressed with her personality, passion, and mostly her pizzazz. And I think you <laughs> might be too. So Tina, rather than me introducing you and not doing you justice, I would really like to have you introduce yourself. Okay. I've been working for InfoBit for over two years, and this was a major career shift in my 50s. And I spent earlier than that, this is a big high-tech unicorn coming out of Croatia. But if you can hear in my accent, I'm a Jersey girl at heart and I grew up there. But what happened was in uh, 97, I went and uh, moved over to Croatia to help start up the first undergraduate program for my alma mater, Rochester Institute of Technology. And I've been here ever since. So the first seven years I worked for them. And I worked teaching mostly marketing and entrepreneurship. And then I moved to their competition and I worked for them for 14 years. So in education for over 20 years. And then one of my former students recruited me to work for him at InfoBip. What does InfoBip actually do? Because I know I was fascinated when you told me about it. InfoBip is a very cool company. They started out with trying to figure out how to have people communicate really easily that were scattered all over the world from a small town in Istria, which is northern coastal part of Croatia. They were playing around with SMS and they were trying to be able to get family and friends connected all over the world. And that technology became the playground in which so many businesses build their internal communication channels. They are actually considered an omni-channel communications company. What does that mean? I'll give you an example. You use them, but you don't see them. It's like your computer when you don't know, it says Intel inside. You never pay attention to that Intel inside. It just does something really important for your computer. Well, we're like that for software. If you have Uber app or if you have WhatsApp app and you're trying to communicate across two different telecommunication networks, you're probably using InfoBip and you don't know it. So if you are trying to call an Uber driver in Kazakhstan, you have to have your telecom operator from Chicago be able to communicate with the telecom operator in Kazakhstan. I'm not sure if it's us, but it's us or one of the other few omni-channel communications providers that make that possible behind the scenes in a seamless way. Very cool. So we need you, but we don't know we need you. That's kind of cool. Invisible like the wind. I wanted to talk to you about leadership for two reasons. I know that you're a leader in your company. I know you've done some leadership in academia, but also you coach leaders too. So I know that you know a thing or two about leadership that I thought you might be able to share with our audience. Could you tell me who is an early influence in leadership for you? I can say that I had a lot of different people who I modeled. 
but earliest on was my father because he was an entrepreneur and he started his business the year I was born. So I was around him and his leading his company very early on. And he was giving me the power to be able to do whatever I wanted. And it doesn't just happen. You have to make it happen. Leaders make things happen. Leaders get other people to make things happen with them and through them and for them. That's how it happened very early on. We have many things in common, but that's one of the things. My father was also an entrepreneur, and I learned early on from him that I could be anything I wanted to be as long as I was willing to work hard enough for it. That's what he taught me. And I watched him work hard, so I believed him. And that wasn't a message that young girls in my day were getting from their parents. So it's really cool that we have that in common. Yes. What do you think it takes to be an effective leader? One key thing that I feel lately comes into play is knowing how and when to have your ego out or ego parked. Because in some situations, it's healthy because you need to have pride in self to be able to assert your power, to be able to have authority in different situations and be strong. But if you're using too much ego, then you're probably not being as empathetic as you need to be. It could become a complete weakness and so obvious to others. Controlling your ego is very important. I like that. I feel like in choice theory, we talk about two opposite ends of the leadership continuum. And at the one end is the my way or the highway boss, who's very concerned with production, product, output, results. On the other end is the person who's overly concerned with their people being okay, and they'll turn themselves inside out into a pretzel just to make sure their people are getting what they need while they don't get what they need. And what you're talking about is that balance between the two, which I agree is highly critical for leadership. How hard is it for leaders to transition from individual contributors to managing teams That question first, but then what if you're managing the team you used to be a part of? Because that's yet another question. First of all, it depends on your life stage. If you get from individual contributor to leader too fast and there isn't like a transitionary period, then you are very flattered that you got chosen. Perhaps You don't know how to turn that on how do you make other people be their most productive and how can you get them to be contributing the most they can. If you're self-aware of what made you an individual contributor and highly performing, you can help nurture that in others, then it's not going to be as painful. But if you thought you got it through hard sweat, tears, and experience, maybe you will delay other people's growth because Mm -hmm. you want them to go through the same path you did. And that's never the case. You have to let people own their own paths. Sometimes it's a very difficult road from individual contributor to leader. This is why I think it's so important to have a well-educated leader of leaders and a human resource staff to support that process, to transition it, to upskill in specific areas that they'll need. That's like working on the whole individual, acknowledging what they did before, but perhaps pivoting them to let them know what they did before isn't going to get them to where they need to be next. As far as leading a team you used to be a part of, 
you have to battle people who wanted that spot. How you set that tone speaks volumes for years, if not decades, of the type of leader you're going to be. It marks you. You have to be very wise, and not everybody is. How are you going to take the two spectrums, the people who want that job and the people who are not going to be motivated for you just because of some other reason, maybe they like the old boss? How do you get everybody on the same page? How do you get a new playbook going that you can create a brand new dynamic? Because that's what it's going to take, I think. What's the new dynamic? Meeting with everybody one-on-one, trying to orchestrate new relationships, not just the one you have. It changes the whole dynamic of the team and maybe orchestrating new alliances within the team so that maybe things you spotted in your team members and how they could work together more productively and you implement some of those quick wins are very important. And then where are you? You're not a team member anymore. So how do you let go of some of those team tasks to level up and be the leader? It's hard because you might've really liked some of those things. Right. And it could be relationships too that will Mm. change, right? You may have had friends on the team that now you're managing, which makes it challenging. Yeah. Can you tell I was in that situation once in my life? (laughs) (laughs) I think whether we want to admit it or not, it's going to happen to everybody at some point because companies are growing so fast or their needs are growing so fast because there's such a shortage of talent that people will get promoted faster than perhaps they're ready for or their co-workers are ready for. And before they have that transition time, like you spoke of earlier, are you experiencing the same great resignation in Croatia that we are in the United States? I think it's global. Have you noticed it there? We have noticed uh, retention issues across the board. I'm not quite sure I buy into the great resignation exactly because in uncertainty there, maybe people are preempting. Sometimes it's because they want a positive change or move. Sometimes it's away from situations. It's very tricky right now, okay? Great resignation makes it sound like they're leaving something rather than going to something. It's not the great opportunity. It's the great resignation. Perhaps I don't like the label. I agree with you. It could be called the great transformation. Yeah. I think people are going through transformation during this time. That would be a more apt expression if you were going to put your ego aside, like you suggested earlier, and look at what's really happening. I like that. Let's rename it. Okay. I know you do coaching with leaders. So what would you say are the benefits for leaders to have their own coach? We have to admit that it goes both ways, right? Let's think about the little league coach, the baseball coach who's leading little league and he's got his little players and he's teaching them skills and training them. And then when there's tension points and he's trying to communicate something that he wants them to see and get something out of them in their stillness, they say, a wisdom or a truth that forever changes that behavior of that coach. The benefits are absolutely both ways. So if coaches are lucky enough to work with leaders, then they're gaining a great deal as well. You're always looking for that balance. What am I getting out of it? And what are they getting out of it? 
again, to reiterate what you were saying is what do leaders get out of having coaches? Leaders get good questions when they're so busy focused on results that they don't pause sometimes. So they get space Mm -hmm. and they get time and they get not always easy questions. They get tough questions that you're not just leading the organization. It's not just about others. It's not about your team. You have to look at how you can evolve as a leader. And I think that a coach can really help accelerate that growth in a leader. I would agree. I also have heard some leaders say it's very lonely at the top. Who do they talk to? A coach might be someone that they can confide in and share some of the challenges that they face that they can't go to somebody that works for them and tell them those things. That's another benefit of having a coach. I like coaching leaders and I have certainly, as you said, learned a lot about leadership from coaching others. So it is a reciprocal partnership more than it is like a coach is better than the leader. It's just that when the coach is outside the system, they can see things sometimes that leaders can't see because they're in the thick of it. Also having those kind of relationships with a variety of leaders, you have to match energy so much. Say more about that. This is one thing I learned from one leader, that sometimes my energy is at such a high level, it's so intense, it can bowl them over. I have learned myself to figure out what do they need rather than what mood am I in? That kind of matching energy, I gotcha. Yeah, because sometimes they need a soft, confident voice asking them the question, maybe narrating what's going on in their story. Mm Mm-hmm. And they don't need the drama of a question, you know, in another way. But maybe some people like that and it's fresh and funny and different and memorable, but it's got to be what they need. We're back to ego again, right? Coaches have to park the ego and bring what the leader needs, not necessarily what they want to bring to the relationship. Yeah. Hmm. Egoless coaching. That's tough. That's very tough. But I've watched it in others because I sometimes observe other coaches. When you can provide a blank slate, then there's so much clarity in the writing that goes on it or the observation can get much more clear. Yeah. Speaking of observation, I believe that one of the biggest things that coaches do is guide their clients in the art of self-evaluation or self-reflection. How do you engage leaders to do that? It can be painful, right? I mean, looking in that mirror, ah, sometimes we just don't want to see what we see. So how do you do that? I have a few words that I'm really liking these days. Three questions to start out a session can help. This is when I'm doing peer coaching. So the when there's more than one coachee in a room, not just one at a time, just okay. a few of them, not a one-on-one. I use these questions. What is your intention today? And if that intention could change into a wish, what is your wish today? And then if you get that intention realized and that wish granted, who will it impact besides you? Nice. That would lead to some unthreatening self-reflection. It would take away that, ah, I don't want to look there because it's framed so positively. I really love it. 
intentions, wishes, and impact. That's awesome. Because it's, uh, whew, what if you had to come to every conversation with an intention? Wow. That's choice right there. Your first choice. What's your intention today? My intention is to support my friend Kim <laughs> in her podcast. And my wish is that some of your listeners feel like something resonated for them today. And the impact will be hopefully that I can share the podcast with other colleagues that coach with me and we can have fruitful discussion, things that they liked or want to debate or discuss or give alternatives. And we start a dialogue and everybody is uplifted. I'll be your genie in a bottle and say, wish granted. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, good. I love it. Is there anything that we haven't talked about yet about leadership? I know there's scads of things we haven't talked about, but anything you'd like to add before I say goodbye? Leaders right now are under extreme pressure. And I don't think I have an answer, but I have more of a commentary how to help or to really give meaningful support for leaders not to feel like they are overwhelmed by things out of their control because there's a lot that's happening that's completely out of their control, but it still touches their world, the world of their employees. And there's so many hot button issues that people could maybe put their head in the sand before and you can't anymore. There's a lot of uh, touchy things. So not only do leaders have to work on their own personal development, not only do they have to work on their professional development and their relation to the teams and their organizations, but they have to grapple with how they see the world and they cannot hide in that level because leaders have to be leaders, not just of those private and professional things, but also on a global scale. You're pulled into it. If I could reframe that just a minute, it sounds like you're talking about more proactivity rather than reactivity. That's right. I love that. If any of my audience would like to get in touch with you, Tina Lee, how would they do that? Best is LinkedIn because I keep that one on my phone. I don't have all apps on my phone so that I have some peace of mind. LinkedIn is the best one for me to connect with other people in meaningful ways about all of us getting that much better in our work with leaders and coaching, whichever style they have. So I'd be happy and open to hear from them. I will put a link to your LinkedIn profile in the show notes. And I want to thank you so much for agreeing to do this on very short notice. When I asked Tina Lee if she would join me yesterday, today, and she said, I would like to say yes and do this with you, to you, and for you, I thought that was the best yes I've ever heard. So thank you so much for your willingness and just the person that you are. It means a lot to me. Okay, Kim, all the best. Have a great one. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and remember to leave a review and share with your connections on social media. I also hope you'll join me next week when I'll be talking about the lessons I've learned through leadership. I'm looking forward to it. Talk with you then. This has been another thought-provoking episode of Life Equals Choices, Choices Equal Life. To listen to past episodes, please visit our website at lifeequalschoices.com or listen wherever you download your podcast. And don't forget... Remember to subscribe.